everybody, welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jowsma, and with me I have the holiest of holies, I have the Reverend Tracy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you doing this week? Doing good, doing good. I am officially back in school. Oh, yeah, that's right. You hit hit me up about that. What are you, what are you going to school for? What are you going to be when you grow up, Tim? Because I'm still trying to figure that shit out. I'm trying to figure it out, too, let's put it that way, but I want to be something that doesn't put me back into a retail store as an employee, <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm going for uh, at PCC for uh, uh, computer uh, information sciences, uh, their cybersecurity uh, program, it's a two year program, you get an associate degree, um, and you know, the people that come out of that program on average can earn like three or four times the amount I was earning at my highest uh, at, you know, previous retail jobs. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, going to be a bumpy couple of years financially thanks to the ex-wife. But, you know, at the end of the road, there will be, a, a, there will be a nice little uh, thing to uh, have happen at the finish line there, which I'm happy about. And most importantly, this first semester of mine, I get to take a course um, about comic books and graphic novels too. So, yay. <laughs> nerdy nerdily delicious that sounds like a really good like thing to get into that's awesome yes yes uh, i mean after all these years <laughs> and you've heard plenty of it of me complaining about uh, about work it's it's you know uh, there is a there is wisdom in the old saying you know shit or get off the pot and yeah. you know it's 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 about time that i did so something like that instead of just complaining about how bad the employer is but still get up every day and go to that same employer that would easily see me dead <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they don't seem to mind too much of uh, the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I probably said it on the show. At the very least, I know I've said it to a lot of friends in my personal life. You know, I'd heard very early on um, into this pandemic that this pandemic kind of put a magnifying glass and all the shit that's broken. Mm -hmm. And I'm really digging how many of my friends have kind of like figured that to their own life and been like, hey, like, for example, tired of retail. And I'm sure a lot of that came because of working experiences. Mm -hmm. um, in retail, I'm done with offices. I, I tried to have two different office jobs since I first heard about this pandemic and like both of them just failed spectacularly. You know, I told you some of the woes at the second temp job of, yeah. you know, offices have their own issues and I'm, I'm cool with not being a part of that anymore. Like I feel like it's bad for me. So now I've kind of moved on. It's a little clunky and scary, but I am ready to do something different with my life. So excited. Amen to that. I mean, because at the end of the day, I, I you know, I, I, you know, with my experiences in retail and seeing, um, you know, just even every day you go to the store, you see how, uh, you know, the, you know, essential workers as they are, um, are being treated by, uh, you know, customers are they're, they're treated like filth. And then you hear stories like uh, John Oliver brought up. Um, it wasn't in regards to retail, um, but it was the Tyson chicken plant story where they had managers taking bets on which employees were going to die from COVID. Yeah. And, um, you know, my own experiences with um this when i briefly went back to best buy and seeing seeing their reactions at, at that point it was just i i can't do this and um you know and, uh, another thing too is that you know more and more i i think a lot the economic issues with the pandemic have kind of opened a lot of people's eyes at just how much you're getting screwed by your employer. And if there's anything a person
person can do to kind of get back some of that power. I mean, the whole purpose of this is to essentially make me more valuable, quote unquote, so they'd be less likely to, to potentially fire me. And when you're at a retail level, unfortunately, you don't have that protection. They can fire you. They, they, they can fire you at will. They could treat you like crap. Been through that. And yes. uh, yeah, yeah. So you got to protect yourself. This is a unique time. And and I will say, too, for, for signing up for community college, it was easy. And most of the I mean, I, I was able to get a Pell Grant and 99 percent of the Pell Grant covers the tuition anyway. You just have to have a few extra bucks uh, available for stuff like books. Do it. Take advantage of it. Uh, Portland Community College is currently doing all of their classes online until winter next year. So. If you got a computer, you got decent internet at home, now is the time to take advantage of that. Yes, there's actually a lot of things that I don't really see. Like, everybody's joking about this being the new normal. Not at all. This is just the current normal. I'm choosing to be excited to see what the new normal is after this because I don't think we're going to suddenly lose all of the internet and remote access to things that have like really kind of made things more accessible in a way. So I was going to say, maybe this could be a good um, topic idea for an entire day of like, what did we learn during the pandemic? Because I feel like I've learned a lot and it's great because I know the topic we're covering um, in the in the main meat and potatoes of today. So it really kind of even goes in with that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I... Yeah, let's leave that one for when it is almost well and truly over. I mean, once a majority of yeah. people have the vaccines and I mean, I'm I'm definitely curious as to what it's going to be, because I think for a couple of years, there will still be some hesitancy. But, you know, similar to like 9-11, I mean, it's kind of like 9-11 in the sense that, you know, right after those attacks happened, everybody was vigilant. Everybody was, yay, America, patriotism's good. We're all each other's friends. But it was very quickly that spirit kind of went away. So I think that's what's going to happen here. I mean, I, I, you know, depending on where I end up employment wise, I may or may not still continue to wear a mask, um, you know, going outside, especially in a place like a grocery store or something like that. I don't think that's a bad idea as we have all learned. Um, but who knows? I mean, I hope little things like, uh, I, I hope, movie theaters aren't completely destroyed. I mean, I don't think they will be, but who knows at what level they're going to come back. Um, you know, little things like that. I mean, not, having said that, humans have been gathering together for entertainment for ages, so if movies do go away, there will be something else that comes along that we will gather as a group to entertain ourselves with. So I, I don't doubt that there will be something, but at this point, what? You know? Yeah, I mean, but that's a good example of something that I hope doesn't go away. Um, I don't really like the whole in a dark room with a bunch of humans. And then sometimes like when it gets too loud, it just kind of gets me in a state where I'm just not really enjoying myself anymore. So I honestly really liked, you know, being able to watch something from home. And I hope that's something that they maybe leave as an option and just see if there's enough of us out there who really don't want to necessarily wait for the movie we just don't really like movie theaters because there is a whole demographic of humans that just don't care for movie theaters not that they yeah. all need to close it's just i don't want to go <laughs> yeah i mean and not you don't need to go for every single movie that's yeah. out there too um i mean to what you just brought up um you know you do have uh warner brothers this year they took their entire film slate and made it available on hbo max the same day it hits theaters for 30 days and then at a later 
after 30 days it goes off and then they'll bring it back at a later time um and i i've definitely been keeping up on that news and from what it sounds like um more than likely once things get back to some semblance of normal we may see a 30 to 45 day window between when a movie hits theaters and when it goes to home but we are the days of waiting six months for a movie uh to either hit digital or dvd or something like that are gone they're they're gone at this point and and yes to your point that is a good thing because um you know movie theaters like they want that's a i'm look at us already rambling onto a different topic (laughs) we do this (laughs) that's the beauty of our show here but um it's like movie theaters like any other retail outlet or any other big business lately are doing whatever they can to um stay alive but then you also have uh uh companies like uh, AMC who were saved by the whole GameStop uh, Wall Street thing still continuing even though they are filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy still going ahead with giving their CEO like a nine million dollar bonus which I you know I don't mind performance related bonuses if if work was done and positive metrics occurred and he met some certain criteria and got that bonus that's one thing but you're in a pandemic. Your company's on the brink of possibly going away. You got lucky with the GameStop thing, but you know this is it was just a bad look. I don't know, but um, yeah. who knows? It's just they these companies want to pay their employees as little as possible while they keep all the money, and just something has to change here. And hopefully, hopefully the change will give people a better movie experience. I think what you may see is kind of a return to what you saw like in the fifties and have like events have like stunts you know like there was a john goodman movie that was based on a movie producer from the 50s uh detailing like little stunts he would have like uh, in, in like 50s like sci-fi movies he would have like little electric buzzers in the seats that would go off and scare people as they're watching the movie uh things like that would be fun um you got plenty of stuff that that you know would definitely be exciting to see but that's just going to take some time to see how that all shakes out yeah, and this very well may have resurrected the drive-in theater. I know there was one that opened back up during all of this. And boy, I would honestly love to see that like again. Like now that radios and like some of the connections and stuff like that have gotten better, like mm-hmm. a lot of the woes of the drive-in of like the static, not being able to tune in, um a lot of that's gone now. So maybe we can even revamp some old school stuff and have like a kind of mix of some worlds here. What's old can be new again. So, yeah. Now let's dive into the show, and we are going to start off here with a pretty big announcement. That announcement is the birth of the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. Yay! Yay! For all those that couldn't see my visual drum roll. (laughs) I thought that was just like finger guns, like, yeah! Like, yeah! No, finger guns would have been admittedly cooler. Instead, I thought my fingers could represent drumsticks. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, so what is that? Now, do we have illusions that, you know, this is going to be comparable to, like, what Joe Rogan has? Or is this, like, the CBS network? Of course not. It is a group of friends that are getting together to essentially network and help each other out with their podcasts. Um, the first one that's going to be joining the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network is my sister's podcast. Um oh. Yeah, called Their Voices. Uh, it's uh, She's been passionate about genealogy for a long time. I know about 
a year, year and a half ago, she even um, paid to um, have one of those like spit test things from Ancestry.com sent to me. So I got to spit in the bottle and send it off for free to find out that I am the whitest of white. <laughs> I, I was hoping for like, you know, like a 0.001% something flavorful, but, you know, all white here. So, uh, but she's uh, been doing this for years. Uh, it, they're up to episode three now. Episode three actually just uh, dropped today. But episode two of the podcast, she re- uh, kind of recounts a story of a relative of ours. That was a murderer. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, murdered like his wife and somebody else. And uh, she uh, count, goes through all the uh, details. Um, I'm glad she didn't go any further on family members. She brought up in episode one, first cousins in the 1800s who married and all that stuff. It's like, thanks, Colleen. Episode one, you want to talk about our, you know, family cousin, you know, family stories. Like, but. <laughs> hey. uh, that's okay, man. One of my favorite stories is the fact that my Oma, my grandmother, was a prostitute in the war. Ah. Oh. See, uh, maybe I, maybe there can be something to follow there because there's actually a bit of a mystery to my family. I've, I've thought about doing the 23andMe, just a total stupid joke I'm going to interject here. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've also said that I won't do it because the way that my Oma was, like there was a joke that Oma could keep a secret, man, and she kept some of them, I'm sure, all the way to her grave. <laughs> and with my luck, we would be that one genetic offspring that Hitler managed to get out there, and 23andMe would like have some kind of marker for that, and I would just be taken away in a straitjacket. Like, I figured yeah. that would be how I would disappear, is by submitting my DNA to 23andMe. <laughs> Something, I mean, I, well, thankfully, uh, you know, with Hitler, they've actually, been, I, I don't think you have to worry about that, because there have been inv- investigators that have dug deep and have you know for the most part relatively safely determined that uh the hitler line is dead and gone oh yeah most probably (laughs) i don't know my dad used to joke about being the Lindbergh baby because his adoption paperwork like reads very ambiguously as if like both parents are adopting him so (laughs) we just have a lot of really funny genealogy jokes in our family so i guess i'm saying i can see the topic being like really interesting as much as it's joked about in my household yeah yeah um yeah so definitely uh give that a listen um again it's called their podcast we're gonna have that link in our link tree and anytime they have a new episode come out we're gonna um you know send some retweets out the whole purpose of this again is the group of people that do end up joining this and um it there are uh some interest on both of our sites from people that we know and uh, potentially other folks that may join um but the whole purpose again is just uh you scratch my back i scratch yours type of deal we want our podcast to grow and the way to do that is to help other people's podcasts to grow as well so you know um do you have any thoughts about the podcast network oh i'm i'm really excited about it you know i i'm aware of other podcast networks i think the only one i know of is the here now network because mm-hmm. as we've discussed i'm very particular about what i listen to and put into my brain but that's a you know meditation gurus buddhist teachers stuff like that <laughs> so they they do have that network that i think is really kind of cool um but yeah i'm i'm stoked to be a part of it i i need to reach out to like my friends that do podcasts and see 
they would like yeah. to join us. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I, I guess we talk off off air too, but you know, we have to also discuss little things too. Like if we ever get to a point where someone that we don't personally know requests to join, do we have a contract set up, and just in case they want to make a like a month long ep- month long series of episodes about how much they love Nazis. You know, little things like that. <laughs> yeah, no, legal disclaimers and such. Yeah, we we're going to do that application. So. We got to ask them if they plan on being racist. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, because we wouldn't want to cancel them. Ah? Uh? <laughs> yeah, great segue here, folks. Um, it, it's like we've done this before. <laughs> Watch out, I'm a professional. <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah, I, I happen to come across uh, an article um, detailing um, Henry Cavill getting crap on Twitter. Why was he getting crap on Twitter? It wasn't in regards to Zack Snyder's new version of the Justice League movie. It wasn't for a movie choice that he did. It was because about a decade ago, he unfortunately, according to some people, dated Gina Carano, and now he must pay. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this is kind of that the whole cancel culture thing gone bad. Like you're asking somebody to be psychic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even saw some because when you first got mentioned and stuff like that, I hopped on and kind of poked around to see. And then I had my stupid jokes that I wanted to make about it. But, you know, I saw some people like shaming him and then others like, wait, this was 10 years ago. Like. You know, and that's what what brought up the whole like I'm waiting for the relationship application, you know, to just be a standard now. That way, if I've I've dated somebody and they decide later on that they're going to be maybe kind of shitty that I could say, oh, well, look right here, box 10. They clearly said they did not plan on being racist at any point in the future. So they either (laughs) lied to me or changed their mind and I am in the clear. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I'm ready to drop the whole topic with Kara. I'm Kara done with Kara. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, now, admittedly, when I read it, it, there is a strong possibility, too, that this person just saw a couple of tweets online and decided to make an article making it seem like it's a much bigger deal. I mean, to be fair, I don't think most of America is really concerned about who Gina Carano dated a decade ago. But, you know, the whole purpose of, you know kind of calling somebody out for the shit that they do is not to make them disappear, in my opinion. It's not to make sure that they're never employed for the rest of their lives. It's to make sure that they correct their behavior. Now, if that person, if you honestly, truly tell them their, you know, the issue that you have with them and then they, and then they dismiss you, then you can have a talk about, you know, not wanting to associate with that person again. But um, it just bothers me, this response, especially from people on the left. Um, And I know that people on the right do that, too. I mean, Donald Trump supporters, anyone. But it's like I, I don't like this whole idea of you know, this purity test that, that especially, I think progressives really love this idea of, you know, the, the, the entertainment I follow, those people must believe exactly the same thing I do, or else they are the worst evil people in the world. And I must shun them and make anybody who's associated with them feel absolutely horrible. And, depending on who we're talking about i you know i i don't think i can't think of many good examples of where that that would be possible i mean it's like i don't know what do you think what do you think i 
I don't know. I kind of feel like I, I summed up my general overall feelings about the topic. Like I'm a little, I'm just kind of over it, you know, and there, well, I, uh, there, there is an element, okay. Of calling out, but it's usually supposed to be like your friends and people that you have rapport with. Otherwise you're just being attacked by a bunch of strangers online and how, how well do they actually fucking know you? So I understand not really responding in that way, but then again, it's like, we don't even feel comfortable really calling each other out for our bad behaviors as friends. And then if you do call someone out for a behavior that you feel is bad, it's very likely that that person might just turn it around and we'll talk about a bit more about self, um, self-preservation and self-bias. But, you know, you want to turn that around and be like, no, 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 the problem's not with me. It's with that person. That person is toxically positive or whatever you want to enter there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's a lot of defense either way you get that knowledge. Like, really, if you think about it, how much do you like being corrected? Not many people do. Not many people do. Um, I know um, for uh, like later for when we record the Big Month episode, which you can hear um, next Tuesday on Patreon and a month from now on our regular podcast feed. Um, plugged. Plugged. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. Um I know uh, in the latest episode that we're going to review, uh, uh, Nick uh, was kind of dealing with something similar there uh, when he when uh, he had that relationship with Jesse. And we'll go over it, obviously, in detail for uh, that episode this Tuesday. Um, but it's but it's it's a common it's a common thing among people, period, especially in a high emotional uh, situation like that. Your first instinct is going to be, well, my intention wasn't bad. They're the ones that reacted negatively against me. You're not going to necessarily take that time to say why did they react that way you know exactly. my intentions were good why did they react and then dig deeper from there mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that that just kind of stops there because once you've built that self-defense attitude you kind of are almost justifying that the other person is bad because the other person made you feel bad mm -hmm. and they they didn't really have a reason to make me feel bad because i know my intentions yep because see it's really easy to do that now, I got to ask, and I, there's no wrong answer to this, but for you, it's going to be roughly the same question I asked on the Facebook page. What, at what point do you take the art away from the artist? Do, are you able to watch content made by people that have done bad things? What is your cutoff? Oh, man. Uh, it's... Wow, I, it really does depend on the content, to be totally honest, because there can be a lot of powerful message in a content um, that speaks to people for a variety of reasons. May it be something that inspires you about the art, um, something that makes you feel understood as somebody that's been through something, and that art, that movie, that whatever it is like related to you is, is your own experience in life. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know necessarily that I could get rid of something that if it really speaks to my soul. Um, and then also people change and constantly evolve. So just because they did something crappy later doesn't mean they were a crappy person when they made that thing. Yeah. I, I, I guess it really just kind of depends on what all they did. Like how much did it break my heart to learn what they did? Yeah. I mean, like for me, tops, excuse me, tops on that list was Bill Cosby. You know, I mean, oh, bro. yeah, fair. See, I, I couldn't yeah. I, I I don't care how much he made me smile as a kid. I'm pretty sure like that one. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, for all the good that he did, and he very much did a lot of good, and, uh, you know, I hope, for all the good that he did, it was flushed away the moment they let him away in handcuffs to go to prison. You know, anything good he ever did was, um, was instantly invalidated. However, one thing to think about, though, is Bill Cosby didn't make The Cosby Show on his own. He didn't make Fat Albert on his own. Right. You know, the comedy albums are a different thing. You know, I mean, com- comedians generally have writers, so he may have had writers. But when he's performing, that's just him. But, you know, on The Cosby Show, you have plenty of other talented actors, actresses, directors, writers, producers that are involved as well. And, you know... I guess in the case of Bill Cosby, I'm, you know, I'm not going to you know, give people a guilt trip for not wanting to watch the Cosby show over all this. But what about J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter? Harry Potter has meant a lot to millions of people around the world. And, um, you know, based on her actions in, in this, uh, this ridiculous <laughs> pony turf war <laughs> that, that she created, um, uh, you know, just uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, uh, like yeah again no definitive yeah. answer here it, but it, it just it, I, I don't know I don't one thing I hate too is when it comes it, it, going back to the Gina Carano and Henry Cavill thing is virtue signaling you know and that is something that you see commonly and I think a lot of the cancel culture um, problem that we see is a result of virtue signaling what is virtue signaling that's somebody um, unless you have a better uh, definition but that's uh, somebody who is is the, the type of person who would you know go off and I'm not going to watch that movie because only bad people watch that movie and I'm oh, yeah. a good person pat on the back for that see and... I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i honestly was going to ask you to please define that because i i guess because i don't follow a lot of the cancel culture things i'm a little bit out of tune but that's essentially how i feel about it like i don't think it is my right to say take it off the shelves it is of no value to any human ever they are garbage like yeah. i can't say that because yeah like look at I mean, I really think Harry Potter and that series is the, really the best example because there's a lot of people that found identity like mm-hmm. through reading those books as kids, and I don't expect them to go burn every copy. Like, I, I'm not going to buy any of her new stuff, you know, but I've, I've had that experience with authors before. Anne Rice, for example, she went through like a huge, like, she became a Christian, and then every everything got really strange after Interview with the Vampire, guys. <laughs> um, like, loved Interview with the Vampire, then she, she became very Christian. And it's not bad that she did that. It just didn't speak to me anymore. And so I, I think it's just, um, we get on that virtual signa- signaling, and it's just another one of those elements where I feel like we have a lot of, like, control issues as a culture, where we feel like, because I wouldn't do something, I am a good person, therefore, if you are a good person, you will also not do that thing and that's just kind of a shit attitude because you being a good person as we'll get into is your your own perspective on you they might think you're the bad person and shitty so and and on the flip side too i'm glad you also brought up you know kind of like the the trying to attempt to talk to a celebrity online why should they care you know and one because they don't know you, you don't know them just because you like a character they play or like the books they write or the music they make doesn't mean you know them for one. And um, just, oh, I forgot I was going to go there, but just, um, yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, it was just a why should you care? And that's my general thing with trolling in general. And it's it's something that it took me a while to get to because I used to be very self-conscious about whether or not people liked me. Something about my past made me really concerned about that for a long time. Um <laughs> But, like, then I just kind of realized one day there is this place of security of, wait a second, I know me. And I know exactly how much that human knows me. Like, yeah. I know how much effort they put into getting to know me. And so if it's been none, why should I take that personally? If it's been a lot, maybe I should consider some things. Oh, and I, I remember I was going to say, too, just... Uh, more than anything, I think people need to put themselves in the shoes of the person in question. Put yourself in Gina Carano's shoes. Would you want the details around you getting fired to be public knowledge <laughs> like that? Even if you were the one at fault, do you want that level of scrutiny that people at that level get? Now, that is not to say that they shouldn't be held responsible for their actions. They should be. But, you know, think about the level of scrutiny that celebrities get and just imagine you going through a tenth of that. You know, imagine you seeing something that because I, I, I can re relate something I did when uh, The Force Awakens first hits. Um, there was somebody online that tweeted about a young kid who was, uh, you know, had cancer and J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy from uh, Lucasfilm decided to show them The Force Awakens early. And I wrote in a tweet, oh, I wish I had a terminal illness <laughs> in terms of just it was a dumb joke but just oh, being able yes. to see that but people that didn't know me people that didn't you know because the thing with that joke is that when you when you just type it out and read it and you don't know the intention you don't know the body language that's trying to sell the joke you don't know the vocal inflection yeah i can see where people could yeah. were, were had every reason to be just a little pissed at me well, our society tends to really have glammed on to, like, everybody that's not me is probably, like, kind of bad. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I know you. I know you're not a garbage person. Like, I know you don't have a shitty, hateful attitude in your heart. Kind of like you know me. Mm -hmm. I'm not – I don't have a really hateful heart. Like, you know that about me. We've known each other for years at this point. And so, like, if you see me make a joke and – it might be a little insensitive because sometimes jokes can come off as insensitive if you don't understand the person's sense of humor and if you don't understand that they're making fun of something just existing. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a rant I've gone on before. There is a difference between making a racist joke and a joke about racism. Yes. There is something about deflecting with humor and like, hey, that is shitty, but here's a funny way of thinking about it, and I'm making fun of these humans because they are lesser than me. Big difference in attitude, but you really need to know the humans sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. that's why workshopping a joke can be so important. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what, uh, you know, people just take a step back, take a breath. If you ha see a situation like this and it, and it kind of irks you, um, you know, say a joke to a friend. You know, if, you know, do something. If you got to say something online, don't tag the person in question. Would you want to be tagged and be repeated constantly from people all over the world about something stupid you did? No, you wouldn't want that. Have a little yeah. empathy and quit slapping yourself on the back for, you know, calling somebody out for doing something stupid or just saying, I'm not going to watch this. Um, now, 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 to be fair, I think people listening to this could bring it up to me. Tim, what about you and the WWE? <laughs> you know, um, for me. Andre the Giant. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll do it. No, um, 
for me, the memories made from watching, you know, the WWE content over the years, I'm never going to forget. They've meant a lot to me. And I, you know, those memories and the content itself is not what is at fault here. Uh, you know, the issue I have is with people that run that company and some of the choices they made, you know, in terms of, you know, firing people during a pandemic when they did not need to and making long term contracts with the Saudi Arabian government of all, you know, all things just to be able to, you know, give Saudi Arabia some free propaganda on American airwaves. Really, I mean, they, they had like a pay-per-view that twice a year in Saudi Arabia that they would go to. But then like half the pay-per-view is the announcers talking about all oh, the good, glorious stuff that you can find in the kingdom of saudi arabia unless you're you know unless you're not a muslim or unless you're a woman or unless you know this that and the other thing <laughs> it's it's uh yeah so uh, you know it's it's something i struggle with it's something everybody struggles with because yeah you i don't want to i don't want my money that i use to purchase in form of entertainment to go to go towards something that could hurt someone i don't want money going towards bad people but again it's 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 don't slap yourself on the back and and think you're a good person just because you made a choice not to not to um you know buy something from a particular artist who said something you didn't like you are not worthy of a nobel peace prize for that and you're just an all-around shitty human being honestly doesn't mean your opinion of the person's actions aren't correct you you know like the gina carano situation she is wrong but me personally uh, you know, Disney had every right to do what they did, but if she finds another job in the future, good for her. If she's able to learn from this, especially good for her. But, you know, I, I don't want to see any harm come to her. That would just be wrong. I would be the asshole for that. Yeah. And uh, no offense, people. I don't think Gina Carrera is looking for your validation when she goes to sleep at night. So no. I don't know. To me, it's just it's that a, we are almost addicted to fighting with each other like on the internet. And um, there's actually, that was an emotional intelligence thing that I remembered hearing at one point on a podcast I used to listen to that I think um, got COVID canceled. I don't know. They just disappeared in February and they haven't had like an episode or any explanation. I'm oh, like, man. Oh no, my emotionally intelligent people are gone. <laughs> but, um, but they, they had kind of covered that at a point. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm sure we'll uh, bring up this topic again at some point because I think this is something that people do need consistent, regularly, at least quarterly reminders of. Yeah. Just, just, you know, you can call out bad behavior. Just don't be an asshole. You know, if, if you were in Gina Carano's shoes, how would you want people to react to you and be that person? And um, really, a good practice on social media, just side note, ask yourself before you put the comment, like, do you actually want to pick an internet fight today? Like, do you really think that's the best thing you could do with your day is pick an internet fight that you're going to go back and check every five minutes instead of doing work you need to be doing? With a stranger <laughs> that you don't know, that you that no matter what you do or say, you are not going to convince them that you are right. There is absolutely nothing. They it is care. useless. It is pointless. And uh, people... It is that... an actual, factual waste of your fucking energy. Just, I don't know, man. Talk to your friends, I guess, if they... But the internet stuff, <laughs> I don't get it. I see it all the time, and I catch myself. I catch myself where I want to comment. Like, my favorite is when people's like, 
somebody makes a shitty comment on like one of these oh all about love love and awesome positive story.com and then somebody <laughs> is like this person is blah blah shitty and then somebody will comment under that like does it make you feel good to tear somebody down for trying their best and i seriously came that close to going i don't know did that make you feel good like <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody else responds after that i mean and social media is part of the problem too because with the algorithms in place as they have them it encourages this Oh, yes. And and I think more than anything, what I would like to see the Biden administration tackle within the next couple of years is discussion and some work on actual regulation for social media to alleviate stuff like this, because it's it's pouring gasoline on fires that shouldn't be spreading. Exactly. If, if the social media people aren't going to be responsible and if it's going to cause issues, that is exactly when somebody else needs to step in. Yeah, because, uh, you know, January 6th showed us the damage that social media can do. Yeah, 2016 I mean, showed us the damage social media can do. Well, I mean, okay, let's, okay, okay. It put the exclamation point on it. <laughs> well, let's transition here to something real quick, but real positive. Tonight, as we record this, is the series finale of WandaVision. I am so excited. Nice. I still haven't managed to watch it yet. I have a butt ton of things going on. Um, um, did you want to go on any more about it, though? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, as we record this, um, you know, tonight at about 11.45 on the Friends Talking Nerdy YouTube channel, um, when you actually do hear this, um, it will be it will it will still be on. Right. Because any live videos end up just going in, into your channel lineup. So you'll be able to watch this on our YouTube channel. But we're going to have kind of like a pregame uh, show. Um, the professor and I are going to be, uh, you know, talking about what we uh, have liked so far about the show and what we expect to see in the last episode and then it's going to be kind of like a watch along now be obviously we're not going to show the episode itself you're going to be watching at our faces and any sort of reactions that occur um but you know being the series finale and the fact that this is going to set up marvel's year essentially um you know it i'm very excited as to as to where they're going to go and then uh, within the next couple of weeks the falcon and the winter soldier their next show is coming nice Yes, so it's going to be, if you're a Marvel fan, this is going to be probably one of your favorite, favorite years in a long time. Just so much good stuff uh, coming out here. Now, speaking of good stuff, you saw a comedy special. Tell us about it. Oh, yes. So it's actually kind of um, a little bit of something that I nerded out extra hard about because my stepdaughter is 10. And I recently introduced her to Brian Regan because he has clean cut comedy. I was super excited to see that he had a new special on Netflix. And so I checked it out immediately because even though he's clean cut, I still think it's kind of responsible because he's an adult comedian to maybe watch it first. Mm -hmm. um, so we watched it and it was amazing. Um, it was great because you and I were having a discussion recently about like OCD. Um, I think it was on one of the Big Mouth episodes and, and how that can manifest or show. And Brian Regan actually goes through this whole bit about how he was recently diagnosed with OCD and how... Um, how he got to the conclusion of how he would like go and get help. It was, he basically makes this really crazy scoring system, which is funny because there's already a scoring system in the diagnostic and statistical manual, which right. is shortened by the DSM. So if I've ever brought up those three letters before, it is basically what they use um, in psychology. Um, the diagnostic statistical manual, we're on version five right now. Just FYI. Right. 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I actually I studied psychology. It's my psychology degree showing there. Well, I didn't get a degree, but you know, I almost did. <laughs> that I almost did a lot of things in life. But anywho, so he he goes through like being diagnosed with OCD, and I love these comedians that are talking about their experiences with mental health. I, I've liked seeing that as a trend more and more. You know, there was um, oh, there was another one that he did it uh, out of his house recently um kevin Kevin hart Hart, yes kevin hart kind of went into some of that like i love that bareness in comedy Mm -hmm. um and it also goes with that deflecting with humor and i'm glad that they're talking about their own experiences instead of what it used to be was misconstrued as being hateful against mental health of talking about mental health joking about it but not being clear that they're actually talking about their experiences um so that was extremely refreshing it is a really good stand-up bit i am a big fan of brian regan and if you've got kids that you want to introduce to comedy that's not just like really lame comedy this is definitely one that you can watch like all together i forget the name of the special it's his newest one but it's great because he suddenly has like grayish white hair so you can't miss it (laughs) yeah and netflix is usually pretty good about advertising their new comedy specials uh, because i i I saw the advertisement for it It was like that like they will like flip through like a number of shows and they give you like little like 10 second commercials and that was one of them so um that was there generally me i do tend to avoid clean comedians (laughs) oh Uh, i don't think you would regret watching him even my brother who admittedly will say like yeah but could you imagine how funny he'd be with just one well-placed f-bomb just once in his career but um actually somebody that i used to uh do improv workshops with or workshop or, or I didn't do workshops with them, but I did some improv with them and I did a workshop with them. They mm-hmm. had met Brian Regan in a bar once and it's very much he he just doesn't see the need to cuss. That's really all it is. He doesn't see the need to get dirty. Um, he manages to be extremely funny and I think he's pretty much the only clean comedian that I like. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried, guys. I just no. Oh man, not me. I mean, as a kid, I I I I've always like in I, growing up in the '80s, it was great because you would have like Sam Kinison like showing up on like the Joan Rivers daytime talk show, you know, Sam Kinison of all people, and just the amount of the uh, weird comedians that would just pop up, just great air for comedy, but it just clean comedians. I always find suspicious. Like, why don't you say one f word? What's wrong with you? You know. <laughs> But let's move on to our big topic of the week. Tell folks what that is. Well, I mean, really, I guess you had had a question for the most ah. part because I had mentioned a term. It was the professor. Yeah, previous episode, um, you had mentioned the term shadow work. And the professor uh, you know, asked me as we were listening to it. At listening to it, she said, what is shadow work? Um, and I knew a very, very basic, um, like a Wikipedia summary of it, that um, it, it has to do with like Carl Jung, um, his his study of uh, psychology and some of the methods he used um, for, for fixing the human brain and all that stuff. But you're the psychology nerd. Tell us a little bit more about shadow work. Yeah, it's actually uh, analytical psychology is kind of what that wound up kind of falling under. I didn't want to get too hoity-toity of a definition because sometimes when you look up a definition of a psychological term, Uh they really go high with the language and it kind of just makes it feel inaccessible. So I did find what what I've kind of referred to a few times as I've, I've delved into shadow work. And what's really funny is the... I didn't start off like with shadow work, realizing that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another term 
that I have used quite a bit called emotional intelligence, your emotional IQ. And it was really kind of funny because it was there that I kind of realized um, that I was working on those elements of myself. And I learned about shadow work after I had already been kind of working on some emotional intelligence stuff. So what is the shadow? Um, the shadow is the, quote, dark side of our personality. It consists mostly of primitive, negative human emotions and impulses. Uh, the ones that I liked the example was rage, envy, greed, selfishness, desire, striving for power. You know, it actually kind of goes along with those seven deadly sins, which is where I get back to, I don't think all of the lessons in the Bible were bad. Um, like, yeah, pretty much everything, but don't put any other God before me is like on that list. Yeah. So watch out, Christians, you should be doing shadow work. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something this it sounds like something Satan would want us to do so no <laughs> no so uh, Jungian psychology um you know uh, it's basically just the unknown side of your personality the dark side the part that you don't want to really pay attention to and it goes back into that self uh self perseverance I can't say that word right like half the fucking time but uh, you know your self bias and there's a lot of like instinct around that um, that you don't necessarily want to go and seek out flaws in yourself and it makes sense uh, you're basically seeking to correct yourself and mm. it doesn't feel good when somebody else does it either so that even goes to stand but it can kind of feel shitty when you do it with yourself too but Ultimately, it's kind of gotten me pretty far. You know, I've been very open about the fact that I've been in counseling. I've been medicated before for like some of my depression and anxiety issues. And some of it got pretty severe for a while. And, um, you know, for a long time, I was out of counseling. And then I stumbled upon the idea of emotional intelligence while working at uh, tech companies because you got to love tech companies. They try to find the best of everything that works and like shove it down your throat in classes where you're yeah. like, I could be working right now. <laughs> um, like, oh, that's great. You're going to teach me how to manage my stress. You know, it would make me less stressed sitting my ass at my desk and doing my job. Yeah, getting my deadlines done? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in a way, I was really ultimately thankful at how much I got to apply the stuff I learned at work with emotional intelligence and understanding personality types and those kind of concepts and how that really kind of comes over to shadow work. And it made shadow work seem like less scary of a thing. Um, so I, I remember, like, I think the first thing that I willingly really worked on you know, outside of stuff that would have been covered in therapy, like, I don't know, maybe learn how to manage your triggers. In a way, that is shadow work. Mm -hmm. It is still like looking at you at something that maybe is that dark side that you don't like to recognize. Because our instinct with like, when we feel trigger is you get away from me, you triggered me. And that can sometimes be like a little bit of a nudge of something to work on. And that goes the same way with like our bad habits, right? Like, hey, if you lose a lot of friends, because you have a bad habit, Maybe instead of blaming the friends for not wanting to be around that bad habit, you start investigating that bad habit. Like, it doesn't seem that crazy when you think of it that way. Right. So that made it a lot less intimidating. Um, but one of the bigger things I, I have talked about, I want to say on here, is I was really rage driver. Like, not necessarily that I would cut people off or, <laughs> like, chase them down or anything like that. But man, just the the yelling that I used to do and like some of the aggressive, like I would speed up. I would like totally, if people were too close to my bumper, I used to do this thing. I would just take my foot off the gas entirely and just be like waving in the rear view just the entire time until they got pissed off enough to go around me. And <laughs> see, and yeah. is that desirable? Is that really a desirable trait? 
I don't know any dudes that's like, hey, you know what I'm looking for? A rage driver. <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, if, like, you're telling a story to your friends, you can have a good laugh at. But if you're the guy in the other car, you're going to be like, what a jackass. <laughs> oh, but yeah. And it's a really humbling experience because whenever you start to kind of, like, delve into your own shadow self in a way, it kind of gives you compassion for other people and that you realize they're probably honestly trying their best in a culture that largely does not encourage you that you might be wrong sometimes. We have yeah. a very the customer is right mentality still that is kind of like bled over to this kind of narcissistic level of self-bias, not the same as being a narcissist. You can have narcissisms. And that's what I really feel is kind of a big issue. And it goes back to those control issues we were talking about. Like, do you want to be the person that has internet fights all day? Is that really the human you want to be? Well, if the answer is yes, I guess I'll power it to you. But my shadow work taught me that that's not what I wanted to be. Right. Because I used to do that. I used to put the comment, I don't know, that make you feel good? And then have, like, an argument with somebody for, like, an hour. So, and then, I don't know, there's just a point where I feel like you can grow up and realize that might be some wasted energy. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a little bit of my intro soapbox to, to shadow work. And I'll take a break and see if you actually had any questions <laughs> before I go into anything else. I had you except for everything you just... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> now, shadow work. How is that... Because how is that different from the id? Because uh, I, I believe the id is like a Freudian term so, it, it re, regarding somewhat the same thing. But uh, what are going to be the differences between those two? Oh, my God. I'd have to Google that to feel good about giving an answer. Okay. I Freud, like... First of all, there's this background between Freud and Jung that I still think is kind of funny. Uh, but basically, Freud didn't like that Jung like challenged some <laughs> some <laughs> of his later to be found incredibly biased studies that he did, uh, especially um, when it came to like some of the Oedipus like complexes and stuff like that, because it turned out like the pool of people that he got to talk to were like all abused like at some point so not real it wasn't really an unbiased test pool but and yeah. I, I don't remember if that was specifically the clash they had but i know freud was basically like gtfo like <laughs> like young brought up a concern and freud was like get the fuck out of my office like they went from working together to you're done here and that's that's just i don't know i i haven't looked at that story in years i just remember covering it in a psych class in college and being like oh okay awesome good to know that we base a lot of our psychology on that kind of toddler guy <laughs> but, oh um, man the original the original hip-hop feud everybody <laughs> oh yeah freud I, I would love to see if there's like a historic rap battle between those two because that would actually be pretty clever i i like historic rap battles is a side nerd or side a side nerd note i guess yeah. but uh yeah like um those two had a falling out and i don't know i i really have appreciated a lot of the Jungian stuff that came after that though like shadow work shadow work is like a really good one i think it could actually be used a lot in therapy and i sure wish it was more in our society <laughs> in america come on we gotta build ourselves up by our bootstraps that's what we do here in this country um, now the now between Jung and Freud. Now, I, if I'm not mistaken, and again, I I know a very little bit about the the history of psychology, but you know, feel free to correct me. Now, Freud, for the most part, is an interesting figure in psychological history, but his work is not not as used as much uh, compared to Jung's uh, today. Correct. 
I mean, there's still a lot that was based off of it because I'm actually, um, he's like considered Freud um, is like mm. the father of psychology. So okay. I, I, that's some people what? have issues with that title given to him, but there's still, I mean, look at Freudian slip. We talk about Freudian slip, but not Jungian shadow. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess you're right. It's like uh, the guy who made cornflakes compared to the guy who made, you know, root marm. I don't know, or something. Like and, that. and I'm not saying that Freud is junk. Obviously, there was a lot of really great things that came from what he did. Um, I just, I always thought that was an interesting fact they had worked together, and then I guess <laughs> had some falling out based over Young just uh, dis disagreeing with him about something. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else about a uh, shadow work that you think we should know? Any sort of resources people should uh, respectable resources uh, with proper knowledge, not something somebody made up <laughs> um, that that they can go to. Well, actually, that was what I was going to kind of say. There's there's a lot of people who are coaches out there. Um, I tend to trust coaches that put certain information publicly because to me, you're not trying to just get me to hire you. Um, you're actually trying to give people some resources and then give them the option of, of coaching or something if they want it. Uh, but really, it just goes back to feel confident in your sources, okay? Because a lot of people that talk openly about it are some of the, the coaches and stuff like that that they want to help, but you got to kind of watch it. You know, don't accidentally gaslight yourself with stuff. But I did find some really cool exercises um, and I, I might share this guy, uh, his, uh, it comes from scottjeffrey.com and he has like some public resources I've dabbled in, but honestly, if you ever read something and go, just check a second source, like it's okay because a lot of the whole idea is getting to know yourself. So if somebody's phrasing or somebody's practice doesn't jive with you, or if it starts to make like not a lot of sense or it's not reacting with you well, maybe see if there's somebody else that has like other steps you can take. But I did find at least the top three from this Scott Jeffrey guy that also kind of aligned a lot with emotional intelligence, which is another route you can take. If some of the shadow work seems a little too hippie-ish for you, um, you know, slide on over to some of the emotional intelligence. There are a lot of podcasts, a lot of resources, and that's one that I may share um, because I feel fairly confident about that emotional EQ podcast because like I said, that's what really kind of got me into some of my initial shadow work and looking inward for really further healing for me is what it was about. But mm -hmm. it, it kind of gave me that feeling of, I think like, um, as they would call them neurotypical people could totally use some, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, maybe a little bit of shadow work, but definitely like looking into this concept of emotional intelligence. And what I like about emotional intelligence is there's no branding on it or stink on it being bad. Like it, it's sneaky shadow work without telling you it's your shadow self you're working on. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Exercise one, which sounds really simple. Watch your emotional reactions. You know, basically, whenever you know how you feel when you're getting emotional and some of it can even be that when somebody says something to you and your reaction is, no, that's wrong. Like you're allowed to question that. It's mm -hmm. OK. Like you can even use like feeling mad as a quote unquote trigger to look inward at why am I mad at this? And, and anger has its place. I'm not saying you should never feel mad. I'm saying take a second and think about why you're mad. 
Yeah. And that can even slow down, like making maybe reactionary decisions that we later regret and then go, whoopsie doodle, I must have been so mad that I did something out of character for me. Oh, <laughs> reminds me of last night. The professor and I on the PS4 were playing some Risk. And um, what happened throughout um, is it's for me, when I play a game, I said it on the, on the show before, I don't like to lose. And that's, you know, when, when I do lose, I, you know, t- tend to like get upset and whatnot. And like yesterday, because what I do in between turns on risk, you know, I have my tablet with me. So I'm like, re- you know, on Twitter, or, you know, doing something, whatever. And the professor was going through her turns and it kept on going and going. And I was wondering what the hell was going on. And then she goes, your turn. I look up. I only had one state left to put troops on and I'm sitting there like the fuck. And then I just turned off the, turned off the game and walked off. Aubrey, the professor's like, what's going on? It's just a game. I'm like, I lost. I don't like to lose. And that was completely irrational on my part. I realized it at the, t- at the yeah. time and, you know, ended up, you know, apologizing to her as well. Cause you know, even though you could tell somebody, that you react in a certain way and to not take it personally, but you, but you, you can't control that. You can't control that. And it, you Exactly. You don't get to tell people how to take things you did. However, you can own it. You can apologize for it. And you can even recognize that it's something that you need to work on. I can't tell yeah. you how many times that has been like the result of a bickerment between the Mr. Reverend and myself. <laughs> um, there's actually a really good young quote that's quoted in this section from this exercise that I was gleaming from, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Um, And that's kind of like, you know, if you, it's the idea of you judging other people, like when other people do things and it annoys you, you're probably guilty of it. And something that I know I'm super guilty of and it annoys the ever living shit out of me is being interrupted. But I know I am bad at interrupting other people. Oh, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, and it's actually, but, but recognizing it has made me so much more chill about being interrupted. I don't snap anymore when I'm interrupted. I'm just like, oh, okay, maybe I need to give somebody else a break to talk because maybe I interrupted them like two seconds before. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and to my example, you know, like uh, like me yesterday, essentially throwing a hissy fit for losing a game of Risk, that's on me. And, you know, I, I did apologize to her for that. I'll, I'll say it on, on the air. I was a jackass. But, and, but you know, it, yeah, because it's, yeah. 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 But yeah. It, what's interesting is, is it doesn't really seem like the is Aubrey also like hyper competitive like that, or does she get that way when she loses? Oh my gosh, she is definitely hyper. No, she doesn't get that way, but she is hyper competitive. <laughs> the, oh, gotcha. Hyper. Reason- you're right. There's a difference to be yeah, fair. Yeah. There's a difference yeah. between being competitive and to be a, to, for lack of a better term, no offense, to be a sore loser. Because it is what it is. I don't say it out of any place of meanness. It's just I don't know. That to me sounds like I've been a sore loser. I don't play air hockey. Because I am a sore fucking loser at air hockey because my brother used to beat the shit out of me, like, with, like, at playing air hockey and, like, harass me about it. And I still, like, to this day don't play air hockey because I know I'm a sore loser in that game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it's kind of interesting because that whole quote and what it's been turned into is that really the idea of whatever bothers you and somebody else is possibly something you're trying to repress in your own mind that you actually do. So when you feel like somebody else is doing something to upset you, 
it is okay to challenge yourself to see if maybe you do those things. And if you find that you do, you don't have to deny it. You mm -hmm. are your own fucking safe place. Just work on it. Yeah. All right. So, and that also goes to the next one. Don't be afraid to engage in inner dialogue. <laughs> I feel like that's almost just kind of like self-explanatory. Um, but it's not really. If you think about it, people don't do that. People don't reflect. People don't take generally take the time to want to change. They do have that view of the world that the world is as I see it. And if anything is different, that's what is wrong, not me. Yeah, that's true, because it goes right back to that that self-protective type of thing, because you disown those parts. And, and you want to ignore them. It's like it goes back to have you ever done or said something in its reactionary and with the emotions. But I feel like a lot of our culture and if you watch like and this is again why I don't watch a lot of TV. Like we kind of encourage this attitude that we should be a slave to our emotions. And to me when somebody tells me that they are a slave to their emotions. I've almost started to translate in my head is like oh you're telling me exactly how you're going to treat me and that I should deal with it. And to me, that's actually like those friendships don't tend to work out. I try really hard to give them a try because um, usually I feel like that's something you kind of learn early about somebody is if they feel like they have permission to treat people poorly because they're slave to their emotions or yeah. people who actually try to work on those things and so that they can have good, healthy relationships. And, and there and seems to be less of those people. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, like the example I brought up with me, you know, I, I realize how I react to losing a game is all on me, not on her. And, and, you know, how I react, you know, needs to be better because I'm not going to win every game unless I'm playing it alone and, and can adjust the game sliders to where the other side doesn't really do anything. But, you know, yeah, but see, it's, it's such a nicer space to discover where you need to work on things on your own than having people point out you are bad because you do this thing. That would be so, marriage. Uh, no. <laughs> but I'm about, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> this is the bitter divorcee podcast <laughs> with your hosts Tim and Tracy. <laughs> Me bitter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it goes back to like, and I would kind of wish we just encouraged looking at ourselves for stuff because then there would be less of this weird social need to point it out to other people. And then it goes back to if you're like pointing it out to somebody, you're really kind of maybe flagging that that's really your own issue. Like, for example, like the whole, I don't know, does that make you feel good? Yeah, because there's, I used to do that. I used to be that person that like, yeah, I'm going to say this. And, <laughs> and I'm, of course, it's tempting to go back to that because it goes back to like, you're almost addicted to some of the things. Because again, it was that emotional EQ that, made me aware that you can be addicted to fighting with somebody yeah. you can be addicted to having an argument like your body will crave like certain emotional responses sometimes oh, you don't yeah. give it to them. Like, and anybody that works through mental illness and with anxiety with depression it is really hard to get over the craving of the feelings like i can't tell you how many depressive episodes i put myself in in college because i just need to feel sad so i'm listening to evanescence like oh. Yeah, and I didn't even really like Evanescence. There was just this one song that was really popular, like right after a friend of mine had passed away, and it was like that My Immortal song, which is just so. If oh, that's like a funeral song, like all together. But oh, man. but like yeah, like I would stew 
in it. And then I realized like, it's because I was seeking that, like I wasn't feeling sad on my own. So I started like fulfilling that sadness. So it's anyway, interesting to have that self dialogue and it feels better to have self dialogue than somebody else pointed out. Why not work on it yourself when we can all say that we are not perfect. There's like some goodness that can come from that. Exactly. And then I just want to get to one last exercise for not going way over on, on time for this. And then there's a few more, but this is a page I'll probably share, but I will again emphasize just because I share it doesn't mean like it needs to be your next Bible. We are um, not medical professionals. So this is just what we saw that interested yeah. us. Take it as you will. This is a site I found that when I discovered the, sh the term shadow work, I really liked what it had to say because it really aligned closely with emotional IQ stuff, which is some stuff that is like getting scientific research done to it. Mm -hmm. um, exercise three is challenge the good part. And I'm actually going to read this from here because I just really like how they put it and I'm not going to try to paraphrase it. Um, many of us identify ourselves as being a good person. We were praised as a child for being a good boy or a good girl, and that identification stuck with us. This intensifies the split between our conscious identity and our shadow. A good exercise would be to make a list of all of your positive qualities, then highlight the opposite within yourself. Try to identify the opposite within yourself. For example, if you identify yourself as a disciplined person, you might be repressing your lazy part. The lazy part is hiding in the shadow, which is something... Ooh. I've done. Recently. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? It turns out when I don't have somebody telling me what to do, like for eight hours of my day, I get really lost. And that's something I've had to own in myself recently. And I'm working on that. Um, the disowned is influencing your behavior and constantly challenging your disciplined part. So identify with this lazy part, see it, accept it, make friends with it. It's okay to be lazy too. But <laughs> That way, it's like you can kind of have that good relationship with that negative. Like, hey, sometimes you need a lazy day. That is not bad. It is an overindulgence in it that is bad. Yeah. And maybe it's not bad. Like, really, you're the only one that can say if you're overindulging in something that is, quote, unquote, bad for you. Oh, I know. I know me at Apple. My my last few months there, I, I just, you know, I, I had a lot of mental health days. And, you know, what I should have done, you know, the, when they started building up, I, I should have, you know, what I needed to do at that point for that job, and I'm glad I ultimately did, was decide that, you know, the reason I'm taking these is because of the job. Why am I still here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's getting up and actually doing something about it. That's that's the important thing. And sometimes that can take a while. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't matter if it takes a while. Like most mm. things in life is a practice, period. It, it's a practice. So yeah. my, my little tips and advice on it are be easy on yourself. Uh, like it's okay. Don't get too upset with yourself once you identify like, a shit behavior you used to do. I used to do a lot of things I'm not proud of, obviously. Like, for fuck's sake, I was raised in, like, the religious Texas South area, and I used to have all kinds of feelings about, like, LGBTQ community, for example, um, that I don't mm. have anymore because I challenged that within myself. So if you agree that somebody challenging some maybe sexist or racist thoughts out of their mind is a good thing. Maybe that can make you feel safer of like, hey, I'm not a racist, so maybe I can look at these other parts of myself and work on these other smaller things that aren't as big of a deal as being like 
really awful or hurting people. I mean, granted, some of these you could say, like, if you're really unaware of your shadow self, you might be accidentally, like, doing some level of emotional abuse to many of your friends, which is why many have left. Because hmm. that's called, like, maybe a flag. Um, well, because you can. You can get that kind of, like, well, I need my needs and I don't care about anybody else's. And that can really lead to some unintentional lower end of, like, abusive style thoughts and even yeah. treatment of people. When you're treating anybody lesser than you because you think your needs are somehow more important, that's where you get to that slippery slope of an abusive attitude towards somebody. That's just a humble opinion. I'm not quoting any psychology. That is just... Another reason I wanted to work on my shadow self is I don't want to continue any cycles of abuse in our culture. And I think by having this kind of really unhealthy narcissism around self-bias that a lot of our TV programming seems to encourage is normal. I mean, look at how fights happen between couples. That's something we've talked about before, um, that they make it seem cute to be dysfunctional and to think that there's everything wrong with your partner. And I'm like, maybe that's not so cute. Yeah. Or, or, you know, we've had, uh, you know, been trained to anytime we do try to confront the emotions, it ends up becoming like a TV talk show where lots of yelling does occur. And we want to be as observers. We don't want to, in general, you know, see people get the help. It seems like this culture is more more wanting to be that audience member that's yelling, Jerry, Jerry, if they see somebody, um, you know, that's doing something hurtful and harmful. And, and that, that does have to change, have to change. Oh, yeah. Like a big chunk of shadow work I wish we would do is stop demonizing people just because you don't get along with them anymore. Like the like you can be two people independently and you can be so awesome independently. But something about the combination of the two of you like just becomes toxic. And that's why it's like I try not to speak in terms of tox toxic people. There are a lot of toxic relationships. I don't necessarily think a lot of people are actually inherently toxic. Like you might in a sense be being toxic to yourself but that's none of my business like yeah, I, yeah. I just don't want any toxic relationships yeah i mean I, to your point i mean i think that like i i think of my marriage it, you know it, it's she, you know we were just two people that when you put them together just we're not compatible square pig round hole and that led to the poisoning and whatnot and i think that is what that what it what happens to you know relationships in general for the most part generally i mean there are exceptions and other reasons uh but you know yeah. Well. So. A, a little throwback to, I guess, the narcissism episode that we talked about is like <laughs> there are very few humans who legitimately have like the part of the brain that doesn't work for neuroplasticity. There are legitimately few humans who are hopeless is what I'm trying to say. Yes. So just because it turned into a big hot trash can fire when you were together doesn't mean that like that person is bad and maybe we just could use to not demonize humans for the sin of just being toxic as a comp as when they're combined with me like yeah. I, I don't need to think that like i i love that i had the experience i had with my first marriage like i don't love that my first marriage failed let me like underline that i don't like that but i did like that at least we came out of it and we never really had any hate towards each other about it i i have some things that i i feel like he thought was happening that wasn't 
but you know, I, I've got my theories, but I don't really understand why fully it ended on his side. And just like, he probably doesn't understand fully why it ended on my side, but like, I've seen him since this pandemic. I, there was like something that happened with a car load and we were like, totally fine. Like he came yeah. by, I signed a thing. He was like, okay, well have a good one. I hope the dog's doing good. And then he was gone. And now I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes too, you don't, like it, like in your situation there, and you know there are other situations that are similar too. It's like for that, yeah. I mean, if you did want to have to sit down and have that talk with them about what went wrong, you could have that. But I guess for this situation, what is right for you too is what you currently are, and that's you know him occasionally popping in to drop off some mail or say hi or something like that, and 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 going off. You know, sometimes that's 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 the most compatibility that some people can have and if that if there's some positivity that can come from that embrace it especially if there was some negativity in the past exactly like it there it was not so great there in the end but you know you can also just recognize that people aren't bad just because they didn't work for you yeah yeah until those autonomous sentient androids come along that you can program to act just the way you want we got to learn how to deal with all this. So, I mean, I hear they're coming a long way with love robots. So I guess if you really just want a robot that will always succumb <laughs> to you, whatever. I, I love that. Honestly, my partner and I have both really embraced the whole concept of shadow work. And then that kind of like idea, I love that we can have honest conversations with each other about it. And it means like in like a nice healing way, like it, it's never like a, you need to change this about you, Mr. Reverend. It, it's not like that. But I, I like that if I, snap or do something i feel like i'm comfortable enough that i can come back later and be like i'm sorry i was a dick earlier like i tried to leave the room but <laughs> yeah you know it's okay because you can own it it goes back to some of the first step of repair is just kind of owning it not making an excuse for yourself uh, own it and also work to make the steps to correct it because yeah. i mean i i've met people and that that you know have, have i mean you kind of brought it up too the people that say they they live off their emotions or or slave something. to that slave, was the to, their slave emotions. to the emotions yeah it's like they're they're like they're they're telling you they're going to be dicks right off the bat and I, i'm this is just me it's just the way i am and no no work yeah. to make yourself better you know like Marilyn Monroe, that quote that gets like mis misused all the time. It's like, if you don't love me, at, if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And like that kind of got like ran with is the yeah, but what about me slogan of like so many people like you should be able to put up with my shitty attitude. I was like, that's not what she meant. And uh, I remembered seeing like another meme created kind of making fun of that attitude. It's like, well, maybe people don't deserve you at your worst either. Yep. People don't deserve me at my worst. I think they deserve me at my best. And as long as I work on that for me, and I just, I, it, it'd be nice if I saw that being contagious. But see, that would be me assuming that that's the right way for everybody to live. So my there bad. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, not much more I can say after that. So anything else on shadow work you want to bring up? Um, no, uh, I mean, we'll probably share it in the show notes since I, especially since I direct quoted, but scottjeffrey.com, um, it just came up as a shadow work. But really, I mean, I don't think anything in that list, and this is where it's like, okay, I didn't look up the guy's background, <laughs> but I didn't read anything that I felt was like, you should do this, you must do this, you need to do that, you know, signs of gaslighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So anyway, just be respo- be responsible whenever you go out there and look into it. But if you wanted a safer bet, look into some of the emotional EQ stuff. There's a little bit more recent science done on some of those things. Right. And as the good reverend said, you will be able to find that uh, some of that information on some of our various social media outlets. Um, If you go to our show description, click on the link tree link, you'll be able to find us wherever we're at, whether it's Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, our Facebook group and page uh, is going to be there. We are around. So uh, with that, I think we will uh, see you all next time. Um, You can find us on Patreon. We would definitely um, appreciate the support, whether it is financially, we would absolutely love that. Or at the very least, you know, um, if you like what you're hearing on a regular feed, spread the word, you know, that that's going to be the biggest way for us to help grow and potentially be able to do more with, uh, this, 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 uh, wacky little show that we have. So share us. Share us. Yes. I mean, we want to make it bigger. Um, and, and, you know, tune in again next Saturday. And depending on what happens tonight with WandaVision, maybe I'll have a little audio snippet at the beginning of the show if I get too wacky. I, I hope they have a, a surprise cameo of some sort because I really want I mean, it. it has been like the last time I, I freaked out over like a whodunit um, was probably Avengers Endgame type of deal, like w- waiting to see what, you know, seeing like the big event and all that stuff. So it's, it's going to be fun, but I will definitely bring that up. So anything else you want to bring up? No, I'm done talking. I feel like I talked a lot this episode. Now I'm self-conscious <laughs> about that. I got to make sure I'm not like all into my own narcissisms again. Now see all the shadow work I'm going to have to do to unpack doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we will leave uh, the good reverend to do some work here, and we will see you all again next week. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.